Welcome back to the show. Today, I will be speaking with Ryan German. Ryan is a restaurant owner and an entrepreneur. Um, he owns Cafe Gelato here in Newark, Delaware, which has been open for 20 years now. Amazing feat. And he has maintained his fitness and his love for athletics, as well as um, his dedication to being a good father throughout all of it. And I always find it really motivating when someone is able to balance all of those things and be successful and happy for that matter. So we get into a lot of great conversation. Ryan is a really fascinating guy, and I really think that you're going to like this one. Enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, man. So you've come through Hardbat a couple times, yeah. um, and that was originally how we had met. And then since then, you know, you and I have worked together, uh, both, uh, you know, you catered my wedding, which was amazing. It's really um, cool. Yeah. Happy really- anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, literally just came by two days ago. And, you know, you and I have worked to, together as part of some catering events as part of the gym. Throughout this time, I've kind of paid attention to you both as, uh, you know, an, an aspiring business owner myself um, and as somebody that, you know, really prioritizes fitness as part of my life. And I see you owning multiple businesses and also being a family guy with, you know, three kids and a wife. How are you able to maintain some semblance of fitness and health in your life amongst all those other things going on? That's a, you know, nice way to put it. I I think for me that these last six months have felt like, gosh, I've lost all my fitness goals and now I got to get them all back. You know, like, you know, the first two weeks off, you think, well, I'm just going to shock my muscles real quick. And then like, you know, two, two months into like not working out as much. I'm like, Oh boy. And so for me last October, talk about catering and we have a restaurant cafe gelato and we do a lot of weddings, but during the pandemic, some of them were postponed. So there were some 2020 events that were postponed to 21. So October of 21, last October was so busy. And so for me, it was, it was all nighters and, you know, three, four, five, six weddings in a weekend. And that did curtail working out and it was just it was hard from to get up from my 6 a.m's that I've been used to doing so I had a real problem I think last year of of letting like perfect attendance interfere with some attendance right so like as soon as I lost my perfect attendance which for me was five or six days a week yeah it went from five or six days to zero because if I wasn't going to make five or six days I was like well I guess I'm just going to take a little time off. And so I'm doing better now with better attendance. So now I'm at three, four, five days a week and maybe six, but it's better than zero. And I'm also doing some lifelong sports. So started playing some tennis and um, got back into just, you know, like jogging. Before we had kids, I'd, I'd run a lot of marathons and a lot of, some ultras and not, not super long, like 50s, but you know, 28, 29, 30 miles. And with kids, that type of training – uh, I started doing CrossFit. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels between CrossFit and, uh, and being an entrepreneur. So it's like, you know, I think I think if you look at it, a lot of high-level entrepreneurs kind of gravitate to CrossFit because there's so many parallels, there's so many similarities. 
Yeah, I mean, you are doing, there, there's the variability aspect to it, but there's also the efficiency aspect to it. It's like, how much can I accomplish and how productive can I be in the time constraints that I have? And if I only have an hour to work out, yeah. I really kind of want to get in, you know, get it done, but also not leave myself shorthanded in terms of the type of exercise that I'm going to be exposed to. And I think CrossFit does find that sweet spot for people that otherwise have really busy schedules. Yeah. And, and there's also, you know, the, the tenacity, the stick to itiveness, the, the camaraderie, um, you know, I've noticed in CrossFit, it's similar in small business, right? So like when you open your new gym, which by the way is beautiful. Oh, I love thank it. You. No, I greatly and, appreciate um, that that makes me feel good, right? Like as a, as an entrepreneur. So it's like, wow, that's really cool. And it's, I feel like it's the same thing in CrossFit. You know, it's like you're cheering for other folks, PRs, you know, it's, it's, there's not, you know, if someone else gets a PR, that's nothing against you. Right. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. And that, that, that's what brings the community together is that everyone is here for the, you know, a similar mission or common purpose. Yeah. Um, you, you know, we, you mentioned, um, kind of how COVID had affected your, your fitness. And it's funny because I feel like this was, this could have swayed one way or the other. There was such a large continuum for people when it came to how COVID impacted their lives. Some people, it was the best thing that happened to them in a long time. You know, it was kind of a diamond in a rough of a situation. Um, and other, other people, it was, uh, kind of a, 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 a terrible situation. You know, um, I know for myself, like I worked out a lot more during COVID just because there was only so much I could physically do with a business that wasn't allowed to operate at all. Yeah. Um, you know, how were you able to maneuver with Cafe Gelato and, you know, and you, you said you had to offload some of your, your timing towards some of your other businesses and some of the things that you do. How were you able to kind of keep things afloat and, and manage throughout the pandemic? So I think, uh, Emotionally, I, for me, I just needed to stay busy. That's how I how I cope, right? So, uh, we got a call from the governor's office that restaurants would be closed at 8 p.m. And I can't remember the exact day, but I think it was like March March 17th. There you go, of, of, of 2020. <laughs> yeah. And we got that call at 4 p.m. Yeah. Right. And the call was at 8 p.m. You have to close. Wow. You know. And we're like, well, what, is, what does that mean, closed? They're like, well, you could do some to-go business. Like, okay, but can people come in to pick up the to-go business? Uh, yes. But they have to stand, you know, <laughs> so, so many feet apart and you know, all these rules. And so we were trying to figure it out. And we had, a, we had a call with our staff and we said, look, no one's going to lose any hours. No one's going to lose any business. We are going to hand out flyers that say we'll do your grocery shopping and we'll, we'll make meals that you can heat up at home. And, uh, and we also will paint your house. So, you know, one of our other small businesses is house painting and hardscaping and landscaping. And so we handed out flyers, uh, you know, very guerrilla marketing, very old school, door to door. Yep. Like we will do these services and the community was very supportive. So whereas it's probably more convenient to call, you know, one of the national uh, shopping services to do your grocery shopping, if you're into that, they called us. And so I'd say for the whole spring of 2020, we were doing 50, 60, 70 grocery orders a day. And that's amazing. And I'm sure that you already had such a great network of people within the, the Newark and surrounding communities from previous work that you've done. And I think that Delaware being such a small state also leans into small business more than probably some states that are a bit bigger and spread out. I think that, uh, I, you know, I, I think that people do inherently want to help small business where they can see it, right? So like if you're you know, if you're making a donation to Red Cross, you know it helps, and you know that money's going to get to somebody that needs it. But here in Delaware, I mean, helping small business, the easiest way to explain it is 90 cents on the dollar stays in the community when 
a small business person lives in the community and owns a business. So it's 90 cents on a dollar if it's not a franchise. If there's a local franchise owner, so for example, if the guy that owns the Chick-fil-A next to the uh, Christiana Hospital, and I don't know him, but I hear he's a nice guy. If he, he lives here, he's a local franchisee, there could be 70 cents of a dollar. Mm. Now, if it's a corporate-owned franchise, then it's, it gets down to like 20 or 30 cents on the dollar. So when you make your buying decisions, if you could buy from a locally-owned business, it's like 90 cents on the dollar stays in the community. And it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I think that's something really important for people to understand um, because it, it will help make people better, make better buying choices when they are trying to keep, you know, the, the economics within the community of Newark. So that's, that's great. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, just, I, w- I was looking at something you posted last week about, you know, shopping. 15 or 20 years ago, there was a restaurant next door and says, hey, you know, why are you driving up to Maniunk to Restaurant Depot, which, and by the way, there's a Restaurant Depot now in Wilmington, to buy, uh, you know, uh, cans of tomatoes and, and uh, olive oils and Kalamata olives. I just remember it was a specific thing that was a lot cheaper at Restaurant Depot. I was like, well, yeah, man, I'm, sa- I'm saving a lot of money. Yeah. You know? And he looks into it. He's like, I'm going to save like $30,000 this year by getting stuff on sale at Restaurant Depot. I'm like, well, that's great. He's like, well, you're going to save that too. I'm like, well, no, I, I, I'm not going to save it because that's, that's the way I shop. So, <laughs> so I look at your, I look at something you said about buying meat at the grocery store. I'm like, well, that's, that's great advice because that's the way you should shop. But unfortunately, I've already been doing that. Yeah. So I'm not going to save any extra money because that's the way I do it. <laughs> yeah. But at the beginning of COVID, we purchased all of the meat that was available through dis- distribution that was going to go to Philadelphia restaurants. So USDA prime beef that was going to, let's say, like the Double Eagle, uh, Del Frisco's in Philadelphia, or all those restaurants in Philly that were, gonna, that were closed, and we brought that in, we cut it, cryovacked it, and sold it to customers, and that helped too. Okay. So, now, how quickly did you guys feel the effects of the supply chain issues from, from COVID? So in March and April, there was tons of surplus. You know, so like every single thing you can think of at a, like a, that you bought on a school lunch meal, you can get it for free. You know, like oh, wow. like a like a, ma- like a Mott's applesauce or like a you know a small granola bar or um, individually small packages of uh, ground coffee that schools would put in a coffee machine to brew coffee. All that stuff was ten cents on the dollar. If you had a way to get it, you know, out of that distribution and into you know I guess hospitals or something that that was helpful. So the supply chain issues that we saw initially were things were packaged for wholesale. That, that needed to be packaged for retail. And I would say, you know, what everybody's referring to now with, with uh, price inflation and, um, you know, some scarcity with, with different proteins, I would say we, we're seeing that within the last 90 days or so. Okay, so th- this is something that has really become much more recent in terms of the inflation of some of the prices yeah. um, f- from what you guys see on your end. I would say significantly. So, you know, I would say even in the spring, like, you know, March, April, May, just a few months back, we didn't see it nearly as much as we are now in August, September. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So um, one of the things that we really try to drive home for our members here and a philosophy that we kind of live by is that we want people to have better agency and authorship over their lives. And along with that, we want them to call the shots when it comes to their dietary choices, both in terms of planning their meals out 
more often than not, but also planning out those, you know, the cheat meals or the get outs, you know, where they get to, to go out and splurge and have fun and not, not be, you know, guilting themselves or feeling um, a certain way about the, how many calories or worrying about how many calories are in, in, in some food. Um, how much are you involved with planning the menu over at Cafe Gelato? And is that something that you enjoy? I enjoy, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking uh, Spanish food. I lived in Spain between Newark High School and college. So I wanted to learn Spanish. And you know, Mediterranean cuisine is essentially often looked to as very healthy cuisine. Yeah. Uh, in Spain, it's uh, tons and tons of seafood. They have 30 different names from everything from what we would, I guess, call shrimp or crawfish to langostinos. But they, there are 30 names describing those type of shrimp from a shrimp all the way up to like, let's say a, a small lobster. Um, and I loved it. And I, you know, I love the Spanish paella. I love the, the Spanish tortilla at, at cafe gelato. We have a Northern Italian, French Mediterranean, uh, cuisine and our chefs mostly write the menu, but I certainly, uh, you know, once in a while I say, Hey, you know, I, I, I saw something that I really, really liked at, um, maybe a, a restaurant in Chicago or New York or uh, something I, I, I saw on the on the West Coast, and, and we might want to try it. We we do try to work with what's in season, which is obvious. I mean, it, you know, people say, well, "Hey, we only we only buy local." Well, <laughs> you know, the, the the produce in Delaware, I know from running a produce stand for seventeen years, is about you know a hundred days, right? One hundred days, <clears throat> and so it's very difficult to you know uh, buy local all year long. Um, but you can certainly buy certified residue pesticide free. You can wash uh, vegetables correctly. You can work with uh, you know lo- local protein suppliers. We we had the best local chicken farm uh, buying in for us whole chickens. We get two portions, uh, two dinner portions uh, out of one chicken, and then we had uh, wings. Also, I, I have always been a little bit curious as to how the some of the the restaurants with you know, within like a 30 or 40 mile radius from here have seasonal menus because I've always just been like, okay, well, how are you, how are you getting in those right. tomatoes? And it's January. Yeah. You know? When we had our produce stand, they say how local is local. So we make a joke about it. Cause you know, right in Delaware, in, in this mid Atlantic region growing up, it was, can you get uh, fresh sweet corn you know, corn on the cob for the 4th of July? And essentially, you cannot unless you go to the eastern shore of Maryland. So the eastern shore of Maryland, which is like two and a half hours away, like, you know, near Ocean City, Maryland, near Salisbury, they have sweet corn that's grown and ready for the end of June. So you can go down there and get it. And then the corn that you see even around like the Middletown area. So if you've been in the Middletown, you see where everything's popping up, like right around where the Lowe's is, they're growing sweet corn. But that, que- that sweet corn is probably ready around July 15th. Okay, yeah, I just spent the past weekend in Chesapeake City for my there anniversary, and every restaurant it was a special. There you go. So, and it's, so it's probably it's probably in season and yep. it's right there, and that that will go now that the corn is ready. It will go until the frost, mm. but it's a summer thing. Yeah. So you know, you know, you might not think of corn on the cob in late October. Yeah, but this is you know this is also what makes food that much more enjoyable yeah. is when you don't get to have it year round. You know, you, right. you look forward to specific seasons when you know you know the tomatoes yeah. are going to be really ripe or the corn is going to be really good. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think a, a little bit of scarcity is a good thing. And Jersey, I should say, you know, Jersey is the Garden State. You know, 
sometimes there's like, you know, jokes about New Jersey, but it is a garden state. They grow a lot of tomatoes really well in greenhouses. And so usually Jer- Jersey tomatoes are the first tomatoes ready here in the mid-Atlantic. Okay. And uh, one other thing on sweet corn is there's only one ear per stock, which might be obvious. Oh, wow. No, no. I, I grew up around, <laughs> like, I'm, I grew up in the country, so, like, I grew up around a lot of corn. But, like, as I'm sure you're more aware than I am, like, a lot of it is set for feed or yeah. different field purposes. Corn. Yep. But regardless, if it's field corn, it's still one one ear per stock. If it's sweet corn, if uh, it's one ear per, per stock. So when you see all those stocks as you drive down the, you know, Route 1 or you go to the beach or something, it's one ear per stock. That's fascinating. Well, hey, at least they're able to, um, you know, grow so many in such a small area like it seems in terms of a plant like it doesn't take up much square footage in comparison to some other things that's right yeah, i mean there's i read yesterday there was uh i think there's 80 million acres in, U- in the u.s to, to grow uh, to grow field corn you know i wanted to talk a little um you know about uh you talked about menu and, and eating healthy and there's times when i forget to eat during the day so I always tell people that they lean one way or the other. Yeah. You either lean if your days get busy, you binge eat, like you you eat for emotional sure. reasons. And then there's people that will just completely forget about it for six to eight hours. And they're like, holy crap, like I haven't had a meal right. in half the day. But they're from the, but for me, they'll be like, well, how did you forget? You're at the restaurant. You, I true. Said, I said, well, you know, I'm, often I'm, I'm working when other people are eating. So it's like, you know, it's, if it's lunchtime, I'm working. If it's dinner time, I'm working. But, you know, same thing everybody, you know, thinks about at the gym, you know, eat a little more protein, you know, cut out sugars, you know, cut out unnecessary, uh, you know, low energy carbs, right? So like, everybody's doing the same thing. But even in the restaurant business, I have to remember to do it. So you talked about meal planning and it's, it's important, you know, for me, it's and being in the restaurant and having access to, you know, lots of lean proteins. I just have to think, okay, yeah, let's, let me make sure I eat some shrimp today and some salmon today and, you know, and it's pretty neat being in the restaurant because we can have I can have halibut or escalar right. or whatever, whatever fish is coming in, and at the same time I, I could eat some meat, right? I could I could have a fillet once in a while, or and you know, I certainly could eat you know, chicken, but you know, eating that protein, uh, staying away from the homemade cookies. So <laughs> I had a record once of forty in one day of cookies, chocolate chocolate walnut. They you know that we bake them; they come out of the oven. <laughs> Uh, you know, they're on the trays. Uh, oh, you know, it's so tough when they're warm like that. Yeah, a couple at a time. I got up to 40 and I realized, okay, I got to I got to <laughs> Hey, up. sometimes sometimes you need that, right? I mean, I'm I'm impressed that you kept count cuz usually if I'm eating that much of anything, I have intentionally stopped counting. Well, it's you know, it's that and I had 56,000 steps one day because, you know, we were up all night packing a van for a wedding. Oh, wow. So, you know, you, you have these pedometers now, so you you know, on your iPhone, how many steps you have. And well, yeah. And I mean, you can't, you can't take for granted, um, how much being, uh, someone that's as busy as yourself and in the line of work that you're in, like how much, uh, physical exertion you have just by your day to day activity, right? Like that non-exercise activity where you're loading trucks, you're walking to and from places. Um, you know, so, that probably is such a large contributor for you towards your fitness, even though you went through periods where like you feel like you weren't able to get those four or five or six days in. I think that's possible, but I, but I do think that people are fooled by these pedometers now because mm. you know, they look at it and they think I had 10,000 steps today. That was my goal. I got him. Yeah. Well, we always had 10,000 steps. It just so happens that now the iPhone tells us we had it. So we always had it. And also, whatever what your fitness level is. So if you, you know, Derek, you're in shape. So, like, if you, you had 10,000 steps to, tomorrow, but you didn't work out, 
it's not doing anything for you. Now, if you're if your normal level is 2,000 steps and you're at 10,000, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, the benefits from, from zone two, um, and, like zone two aerobic, aerobic capacity and uh, just getting your steps in do have like a tremendous impact on lifespan and health span. Um, and we know this across the board. Um, but obviously, like, I don't want to see someone just walking. Like, we need to incorporate resistance training. We also need to get your heart rate up much higher than that and start touching, you know, some of those, like, aerobic zone fives where we're, like, getting closer towards your VO2 max range. Um, but the step count is a really good base layer for just about anybody. And unfortunately, both because now people are more comfortable working um, inside of their homes, you know, at an office – and by the nature of businesses being okay with that as well, there's probably far more people getting less than 10,000 steps a day because they're not inside of a big office building or warehouse building. They're not walking to and from work or walking from their car and to their car. Um, and now, you know, obviously we have so many more ways of getting things delivered directly to our house, whether it be through Amazon or food deliveries, you know, people, it, it, it has become much more normalized for people to get less than 10,000 steps a day. Um, so yeah, I think like while that can't be the only thing, I do think it's a really good foundation for most people. Right, I agree with that. You know, um, one thing that I found myself doing that I wanted to get better at. You know, we talk about you know during COVID when things changes, I'd always say no, right? You know, so that, yeah, what was that movie with uh, Jim Carrey? Like Yes Man. Right? Oh yeah, you Yes Man. So my friends like, hey, you know, you want to um, want to go to like the Phillies game? I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. I have, to, I have to work, you know, yeah. you know, you want to like hang out. I'm sorry. I can't, you know, like, and so during COVID, uh, we started doing, uh, like a, like sports, just guys. So in the winter time we played basketball eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Well, guess what? 8 PM on a Wednesday to 10 PM. I, I was, I'd be in bed maybe, or right. be done with my day. I had that time. So we, for eight weeks we played basketball and these are with guys that, <clears throat> you know, they're all in good shape, mid forties, some 50, um, but no one's a basketball player. Mm. So it was just, you know, up and down the court, up and down the court, two hours of running, right? In the spring, we carried it on. We did indoor soccer. So none of us were soccer players. But again, it just, we played. I'm sure basketball. it was a sight to be seen for the well, first few practices. I mean, it was, it, was, it was just like we played basketball. You know, yeah. Some, you know, the couple guys that had some soccer parent, uh, experience kind of ran point. Yeah, and we're the mentors a little and bit. And we just kind of played like that, but it was a lot of running. It was good. And now... We're playing uh, co-ed mixed doubles, so, mm. you know. That's amazing. Uh, tennis. And, we, again, we're not tennis players, but it's a little bit – it's just a way to get out and and kind of – No, I love it. I mean, I'm always a, a huge fan of people that want to get out and play sports um, because I think that it provides um, an environment – conducive for exercise that doesn't feel like a concerted effort. So it's not the same as going to the gym and doing X amount of reps for X amount of sets and you're on a timer and a coach is yelling at you. Um, and that's important too, but being able to kind of get out and test your body, um, through some unknowns of playing different sports and learning different skill sets is amazing. I think one of the things that I do recommend people look out for, though, is they need to use um, a fitness 
based program as a foundation to ensure that they are physically capable of doing those sports without injury. Um, because unfortunately something, you know, even as basic as running, it's like when you run, you exert about seven times your body weight onto your legs and back. And if you're not primed for those like decelerators, when you're, you know, jumping and landing or landing every single step when you're running, it can lead to some, some issues. So, um, and I'm sure you've seen that through some oh, yeah. people that haven't been working out for 10 years and now all yeah. of a sudden they're like, you know, jumping back and forth on a, on a basketball court, it can, it can cause some problems. But once you, you build that foundation, I think that playing sports should be paramount for everybody. I think everyone should get out there and learn new skills and, and just, that's how we maintain our athleticism as we age. I made a joke that I, I, w I wouldn't want to play pickleball until I'm 60 though. <laughs> like, you know, you want to play pickleball. I'm like, in 20 years. I said the same thing about golf. I was like, golf is what you do when you're a retired athlete. So I fought it so long. And then my um, my father-in-law uh, gave me his old set of golf clubs. And I'm just, I'm fully in. Is he tall? Like uh, he is. Yeah, I lucked out. He's probably like 6'2". Okay. Um, so I lucked out. They're not perfect for me, but they're better than if I just went and bought a generic set. Right. And that's, that's a huge downside being, you know, 6'4", 250 is that, most things, like I got into mountain biking, I couldn't go get a regular bike, right? I got into golf, I can't go get regular clubs. So everything is just like this additional expense because it has to be, it's in the custom realm. You, you ever know? do road bikes? Road bikes? Like, I, do you tries? Uh, um, I've been on a road bike before, but I've never been on a road bike built for me and done any sort of legitimate distance. I asked because I have one for you. Oh, really? Yeah. So my, uh, uh, my good friend who passed away, Paul Slosser Jr., and, he, and it's been it's been time now, but he built a bike for himself. He's a really good triathlete, and the frame for me, I'm six two, is a tiny bit too big. Oh, really? And it's a nice bike. So if you could, if you can get yourself into a try, you want to do a try. It's yours. I mean, the, his. It's, you know, I've used it a couple times. It's in the attic, of my garage. The, his whole point is, someone's got to use it. I very might just take you up on that. That's and, and it's a nice bike. It's a you know, it's fast bike, but. You need to be like six four. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it's like the perfect size for me. No, yeah. I would I would be totally down to give that a try. And it'd be funny to be on the other side of, you know, being annoyed at the bikers on the road <laughs> and, and like having people beep at me and frustrated because <laughs> I'm, you know, not right. following the rules of the road. But um, yeah, I mean, the road biking wasn't as intriguing to me. Just because, like, when you're riding single track and, you know, getting out in the woods a little bit, your mind is just totally off the fact that you're exercising. And you have to be so alert to every little maneuver and environmental change that it's just it's, – it's exhilarating. And um, the mental aspect to it is as freeing as the physical one. So – uh, so far, we have a few coaches actually that are monsters on mountain bikes here. So they always put me through the paces and kick my ass. But um, we have a blast with it. Yeah, it's, I think uh, like aerobic, it's, it's probably the best. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. It's really up there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you had mentioned that you, for a long period of time, or, or for, through a, a kind of a blip through COVID, found this place where you're like, okay, like I have to devote myself entirely to work right now. And, you, you know, you went from like all in to like all out with exercise. But now you've seemed like you've restored some sense of balance. What are you doing currently outside of playing sports to maintain your fitness and health? Yeah, CrossFit in the morning. So right now, 7 a.m. But uh, when the school year starts, it'll, it'll be six just for getting the kids to school. Mm. And a little bit of, uh, right at the moment, tennis. 
and a little bit of running. Hikes with the kids, but you know, CrossFit's mostly what it is right now. How important is it for you to maintain your physical fitness for the uh, the purpose of leading by example for your kids? Boy, I I, I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, you know, growing up, I had you know, I certainly had friends where their parents were like you know really you know restrictive of like you know what they eat or what what they don't eat, and you know we try to have good choices, right? So like we, you know we'll cut up like you know vegetables and have them out, right? You know like they're watching TV, like, here's a bowl, bowl of carrots, and they'll eat them, right? And they, and they do like a lot of different types of foods. Uh, just, you know, being in the restaurant, like, we'll bring home some food that it's it's there. So, like, one day it might be rack of lamb. They love it. I mean, lamb lollipops, gosh. And um, uh, different seafoods or, uh, you know, even octo- they ate octopus, you know, things that I, 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 didn't, I wasn't introduced to at that age. But... I did see my daughter eating four ice cream sandwiches in a row the other day. <laughs> well, now, you're not a kid if you don't do that at least a and, couple times. But I didn't want to say, hey, you can't have another one. Because I don't want food to be restrictive. So I just said, hey, you know, eat whatever you want, but just sit down while you're eating. Yeah. Make it a little bit more mindful, right? So like if you're eating, sit down and enjoy it. And um, never want it to be like hidden. Like we were eating dinner the other night. And our five-year-old goes into the pantry and he finds a Snickers bar, which I don't even know why it was in there, but he found it. It's probably in there since like Halloween, <laughs> like a little. Yeah. <laughs> and he's standing in the pantry like eating it while everyone's sitting down at the table eating dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Brady, did you find some chocolate? Come, come join us. Sit down at the table. You know, have it here at the table. Like, eat whatever you want, but just never hide it. Just sit down and enjoy it. And then, you know, with, uh, you know, with kids, it's just, just play. So, like, we – we have this thing where they got to pick a sport. You know, what sport do you want this season? And they pick. So, do you have any absolute no's for sports? No, no, no. no I, so, like, if, if one picked horseback riding, oh yeah, they, they can, and they and they've done it right. So they've done yoga on horseback. They've done horseback riding. Um, this this semester or this semester this this fall, our nine year old daughter for the first time wants to play volleyball. Yeah, she's also doing dance at Wilmington Ballet, another local business. So. She's doing dance. She's getting ready for the Nutcracker, and she's going to do volleyball. And uh, our two boys are going to play touch football. Uh, they might run some cross country, but the idea is every season you pick a sport. So what's your sport? You know, and you, you let us know. Yeah. Now you mentioned that um, you know up until this period of time where you felt like you you found a little groove, you know, in that like eight to ten range where you're able to kind of sneak out and do some sports. It sounds like you know you really think about the best way to optimize your life and then you just say no to everything else. Um, kind of a bit of a, an essentialist approach. Um, how have you been able to balance being a father but also being involved in multiple businesses? It's definitely, I don't do TV anymore. I mean, not, not to like, you know, like, hey, you know, I don't watch a movie or t- TV. My wife uh, is a lawyer. She writes all day long. So she relaxes at night by watching like a Netflix show. She's like, hey, you know, you don't watch the Woodstock uh, 1990s documentary about the 1990 Woodstock. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I relax at night by reading the news. They're like, well, how do you relax by reading the news? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's how I relax. So, you know, I read, read articles, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, MSN.com, you know, all that stuff. I just read news at night. That helps me relax. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I do to relax. But I would say that I, I have not had time to watch any television shows or, for that matter, any live sports. So I used to sit down pre-COVID on Sundays, you know, have a red zone on, you know, the NFL red zone, and, you know, maybe the Eagles also, you know, flip back and forth between red zone and Eagles and, and work on scheduling for the week. 
I'd sit there like all day, like from like, you know, one to like 10, you know, from the afternoon games up through the NBC, you know, whatever game it is at night, you know, the game of the week. Yeah, the prime time, yeah. And, um, and that's what I would do. I'd schedule like that. And I don't have time for that. I haven't watched a live sport on TV since COVID, and I haven't watched a, a TV program. I mean, we went to the movies to see Top Gun 2, right? I've seen some movies with, you know, bits and parts of movies with, with, with kids, but not a whole movie and not any TV shows, not any Netflix. Um, I think it's really important for people to hear that, um, but also especially young entrepreneurs or people looking to get into business because the term burnout is often thrown around. And what I have found as I have you know grown up is often burnout is really just a product of trying to put too much onto your plate outside of your main objectives and priorities. And if you really, you know, boil down what it is that you want to do with your life and what your whys are for your businesses and, and the way that you want to be a parent, it's really easy if you start to exclude some of those other things. And un unfortunately, it's, it's easy to choose what to exclude. It's harder to actually make that sacrifice, you know? And so I think about this um, as a business owner and, and, you know, Soon enough, I'll be a father myself. Hey, um, that's that's news to me. <laughs> so, when did you find out? The funny thing is that most people don't even know yet. But by the time this comes oh, out, it will awesome, become Derek. it will Way become go, news. Man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, but um, you know, I I think a lot about this because I'm now at that age. Like I'm 33, and hard bets taken off, and think you know, things are going really well here, but now I'm looking into other business ventures, which are going to, you know, steal more time from me. So I really have to be careful not to take on so much that I feel like I, I'm not able to also contribute as a, as a husband and as a father. Um, so I think you do, you know, it sounds like you do a really good job of optimizing and kind of curating your life in a way where you you're really like straightforward about like drawing the line in the sand of like what is worthy of your time, you know, and then prioritizing for the things I, that really matter to you. I would you. say possibly so, but if my wife was also here on the podcast, <laughs> she would remind me that most husbands think they're doing a great job and that they're helping 50% of what they should be doing at home. However, if you ask the wives, the wives will you know, rightfully say that they're actually still doing 90%. <laughs> so most guys from their perspective think, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking the kids, I'm dropping the kids off at school in the morning, just like you told me to every yeah. day, every day I do, I do drop offs, you know, uh, occasionally get some snacks together for them. I wash out their water bottles. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, my wife's doing every skid scheduling, you know, their physicals, you know, the proof of their vaccinations for, for school, you know, their, the entire schedule, making sure uh, they have camps for, you know, this, so it's like, this is, you know, there, there's a lot, there's there, levels to it at there, home. There, there's levels to it. And I think, um, longevity is key, right? Anybody can, you know, go full at it for six months or even a year. And you, you talk about, you know, burnout, but at, uh, at the very, very, very beginning of COVID, my wife said something like, Hey, you know, I'm going to have to work from home for like a month. Mm. And I, I was like, look, just so, you're, just so we're clear on this, I don't see this being less than a year. And she later told me, like, just in passing, she's like, hey, I'm really glad you, you said that because for my mindset, that was it was a much better approach because I think a lot of people went into it like a snow day. Yeah. So, so March of 2020, people are like, well, you know, yeah, we, you know, we got off school today. We're going we're gonna to be off next week. Snow day. 
well, that's not, you know, it's COVID day. And it took a while for people to be like, all right, well, this is going to be, you know, a little bit longer. And I, yeah, I think some of that was due to the unprecedented nature of what was happening and the fact that no one experienced it, but also there was a lot of denial going on on the part of some business owners because people were afraid of what it meant for their business one month, two months, six months down the road. But if, but if you can, um, you know, you, you can muster up the strength to do, let's just say no one done, no one's done CrossFit and they're, you know, they're, they're you've seen this, right? You know, yeah. new, new member comes in and they're gong ho and then they're gone. Right. And then, but, but to that, to that point, you have members now for 20 years or 10 years or 15 years, you know, people that are, you know, doing it nonstop. So longevity is the key. And, and if you do it a long enough period of time and you do all the things that you say you're going to do every January, right? You're going to save more money, uh, spend less money, <laughs> eat healthier, work out more, be more mindful, read some more books, and now be a great dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you do all those things. But longevity-wise, if you do most of them over time, it's not just a New Year's resolution. It just, you know, as you know, it becomes a habit. So, you, and, and, But also it's a mindset, right? So it's if the option is not to close or not to change, it's, okay, how are we going to approach this year? Uh, how are we going to, you know, maximize our time or our efforts? How are we going to make, a, you know, a little bit more? How are we just going to move the needle a little bit in the right direction? Yeah, one of the things I do for myself and also our team is that when it comes time for, you know, the, the natural organic time to do a, a forecast out for the next year, you know, around that New Year's time, we also do a review of the previous year. And for myself, like one of the things that I do is I, I audit my schedule and I will go through and figure out how much time was dedicated towards meetings versus, you know, time for critical thinking and, you know, the, the intentional boredom where I'm really thinking at higher levels for what I want to do with the business and how much time was spent on the floor and working with clients inside of the community. And this kind of really paints the picture for me as far as what has allowed the success to take place, but also what were my limiting factors over the last year and how to better optimize my time by whether it be by delegating or offloading things off of my plate or just changing up my priorities around where I spend my time. Um, and we do the same thing with our team because that's, I mean, ultimately that, that, that's how you grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, uh, that approach, right. Year after year is, is the magic bullet. Yeah. And so, and I, I think the younger generation right now is looking for Bitcoin to be, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and they, they bought it now at 20, 20 some thousand and that's how they're going to make their money. But really, the magic bullet is just longevity. Yep. You know, that just time over time, it, there's going to be missteps, there's going to be blips, there's going to be, you know, recessionary uh, trends, there's going to be uh, growth. But just over time, just, you know, sticking to it. Yeah. And what you just described has a great parallel to fitness in that this is th- when people say it, you need to make your fitness a lifestyle, right, rather than some sort of short term goal. This is what they're talking about, right? right? That you're you're thinking about not just the next 90 days and right. the weight you want to lose and the way you want to look in, in right. a dress at a wedding. And all those things can be important, but yeah. it's it's about the greater picture, which is you need to find the right community of people that are creates a lifestyle or a, an environment that's conducive to you 
not only working out, you know, three, four, five days a week because you want to improve your fitness, but because you love going to that place and yeah. you love seeing those people and you love what it's doing for you both physically and mentally. Yeah. And over time, now you just become the, the kind of person that works out, right? Yeah. It's no longer I'm working out for this very short-term goal or purpose. It's I'm just the t type of person that works out every day. Yeah. I think one thing we what I've noticed, and you may be totally in agreement since you own a gym, but we've noticed how important it is for folks to get together at a gym and working out. You know, at the beginning of COVID, it was like, oh, it's too dangerous to go to the gym because we don't know what's going on with this virus. But not being at the gym is tough. I mean, part of, you know, that beginning of COVID, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do the burpee challenge. And, and I forget what it was. I mean, it was like, you know. One a day for 30 nah, days it was, something. No, no, no. It was, it was like 5,000. It was something, you know, more substantial. But it was like 5,000 burpees in like a, maybe a month. Is that too many? Okay. It was, you know, so it was something like that. It was like, you know, you know what it was? I think it was like 5,000 burpees, 5,000 push-ups. Were people doing mm. that? It was like right at the beginning of COVID. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going you know, around. So, so I'm sitting there in my, like, in my kitchen you know, floor and I'm, you know, doing all these burpees so my wrist hurts. So then I get my kids like gymnastics mat out. So now, yeah. now I'm in the gymnastics mat, but I'm like, so I'm texting friends and I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to join me in this, you know, in this burpee challenge? Because I wanted that same camaraderie that we take for granted from just going to a gym. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to see the correlation, um, and like if anyone wants to gain perspective on the success and failure of, exercising at home you just got to follow peloton stock right <laughs> like covid hit and it's like everyone bought a bike yeah covid restrictions started easing up everyone stopped using it um and, and you know and i'm glad you brought that up because what that what it showed was you know people are stuck at home they're not allowed to go to a gym right you, you can't go to a gym but they still needed to talk to somebody so they got that you know 11 inch monitor on their peloton so they could at least pretend like they're at the gym. Right. But at the first opportunity when they can go to the gym, they're back to the gym. Yeah. One of the things, so I'm heavily involved with our marketing here. Um, and one of the things that I've realized is that community is never a great marketing message. It can be a subtle hint of some of the imagery and the things on the website and such. But you never market the, the community as the reason for people to join. But it is 1,000% the reason people stay. Right. So it is it is the retention, right? And the attrition here at the gym is solely is or is highly based on our community and the culture that we promote here. So I, I live about thirty minutes uh north in Wilmington. So and I, I work at a gym that's close close where I live. I, I work at a black ops and it's close to me. Right. Yep. Which I think is also important. I think, you know, just proximity because you gotta make it easy to get there, easy to get back. So usually it's six in the morning, but occasionally it's seven. Yeah. Six o'clock is much busier. Uh more people at the, at the class. Yeah. And the, and one time I went to a seven o'clock class. I'm the only person I'm not working out as hard that day. No, no. And, and not on purpose. Yeah. But just, you know, uh, yesterday we're doing this, uh, 20 minute workout. It was, it was, uh, seven rounds. It was, what was it? It was, let me try to think. It was, uh, 15 wall balls, 200 meter run, uh, five power cleans, seven rounds. Right. You know, the first round, I, you know, I blow it out and no one's near me. The third round, this guy's ahead of me. I'm pushing myself. Yeah. Right? I'm coming out of that 200, you know, there, you know it's 100 meters out. I, I'm thinking to myself, like what they used to say, in, and I never ran cross country, but I heard about this. Like, in cross country, when you have a turn, you sprint the turn. Mm. So that your opponent 
when as soon as you hit the turn, they see you further ahead and they give up a little bit. It's called breaking the rope. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. So if you if you and I are running and you're in front of me, even if there's not a turn, yeah. if you run far enough ahead and you break the rope, you know, in quotes, what happens is, is it's it's a mental setback for me. I go, oh, he's too far. I'm never going to catch him. So uh, yeah. so a lot of times there's this kind of like games, gamesmanship or strategic, you know, um, like kind of strategy that goes into running, especially because there is this visual aspect to it in terms of the distance between you and the person in front yeah. of you or behind you. Yeah. So that happens when there's a class. All the time. It doesn't happen if you're at home by yourself. Right. Or if, you know, you're most likely not getting a PR unless, like, you are, like, the most, you know, stick to it as steadfast, you know, superhuman person in the world. There's always the anomalies, <laughs> right? Like there, and, and I'm someone that has had to get more comfortable with working out by myself just because of the hours that are available to me. Um, and like you, you can make that happen, but the reality is you're hundred percent right. You're always going to push yourself harder when you're amongst a class of people, especially when there's people in there that are like just a little bit better than you or people that are almost as good as you because they're always going to keep you, they're going to be on your heels because they're coming after you, you know? And it's fun and it's friendly and it's never over the top, but that little bit of friendly competitiveness absolutely can be, you know, the spark that when you come in here and you're tired or you had a stressful day that keeps you from just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go through the motions today. And and I will also add something that it's not just, you know, like that, you know, that gusto or whatever, like that, that driver motivation. Some of it's actually technique, right? So I, when I'm at the gym yesterday, I see one of the um, instructors, and she's training for one of those, like, regional things, yeah. right? And she's got this mobility stretch going on with one of the bands. I'm like, that would really work, mm. right? That would help me open my hips up for a squat, for a back squat. And I, I talked to her about it. She's like, yeah, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it does. I'm like, all right. So I, I learned that. Um, I'm cooking – dinner the other night really fast at home and I only had a few minutes I had to get going babysitter's there she's like what are you doing I was like well you know I'm sauteing these onions I'm boiling these potatoes I'm cooking this meat with with other onions and I'm gonna make tacos Spanish tortilla can you make that bag of kale salad that you get at Costco to everyone you know that yeah can you make that for me I can make that and I'm like can you cut those tomatoes from the garden and in 10 minutes we have like you know perfect dinner she's like wow I you know, so she learned how to make a, a quick, healthy, you know, protein-rich dinner. I don't know the physical fitness or the uh, the physical therapy or the stretches the way that someone who's a coach at the gym knows, and I don't learn it at home. But by going to the gym, I'm going to get better. So it's not, you know, some of it's just like, hey, that you know, that, that competitiveness, that drive. But some of it's also I'm going to learn for sure. And I think that for us, like we've always considered that to be one of our greatest separators um, in terms of like what makes us um, a gym that is something people are more inclined to seek out when they want that higher level of education, you know, compared to an orange theory or some sort of a spin class. It's that we're not just here to help you break a sweat and lose a few pounds. It's like I want to teach you how to maintain the basics of your body. Like if you notice that, you know, your shoulder hurts a little bit when you're reaching overhead, I want to give you the toolkit necessary where you go, I have these three exercises always, you know, in my toolkit when my shoulder acts up or my knee acts up or my hip or back acts up. And now we're talking about almost to the point where this is just, it's a side cart to your healthcare. 
Yeah. Right. Like this is such a large contributor to maintaining your your physical, mental, you know, and emotional health is, is being part of a gym that goes over and above just like, hey, we're here for you to sweat. From a food perspective, I'll, in, again, people might know this, might, but they might they might not. But 20 years ago, we had a really good chef, uh, Brian Dehoff. He helped me write initial recipes, menus, and he always say you got to reconstitute the food. I'm like, well, what does that mean? He basically, you got to add water every time you heat it up. Mm. So if you have, so if you're menu planning at home and you're like, I'm really into protein, I need lean protein, I'm going to eat my chicken, right? So you saute up, you know, like all your chicken cutlets or chicken breast or whatever, and you have them in your fridge, right? They're dry, right? Yep. Right? So you eat it. It's fine. You're used to it. It's kind of dry. <laughs> yeah. It's real simple to add like a half cup of water and saute it up. Sometimes I'll do that with, um, like for instance, today I have uh, shrimp, which I put, I, I mix Old Bay and um, garlic butter with, so banging. And then I do a jasmine rice, and then I have um, like the blo broccoli florets. Yes. And I'll pour a little bit of like vegetable uh, broth in there when I reheat it. Yep. Because um, I obviously don't have the yeah. stove here to do that, but I'll throw it in the microwave and put yeah. that in. It's kind of, yeah, very similar. So recon and, and I reconstitute anything I heat in the microwave. So, you know, we have a microwave at home. We use a microwave. It's not always stovetop. So whatever dinner I had the night before, if I'm hustling in the morning, I can put it in. It could be anything. It could be any piece of fish, any piece of meat, whatever was left over. It could be pork stir-fry. Yeah. Add a half cup of water. Cover it with a paper towel, microwave it for a minute and a half, and if I'm, you know, usually I'll try to like crack two eggs and you know break the yolk and throw it over top, meaning like I'll do like like a over medium egg and put it over, essentially put it over top of leftover dinner. Yeah. But reconstituting with that half cup of water, is I, you know, it's 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 pretty obvious. And doing it with vegetable broth or chicken broth or beef broth is really good. If you get like the you know people are in the keto or whatever for a while. Um, a lot of those bone broths will get you another 10 grams of protein. Right. Um, but if you don't have that, just, just water. Add, add water. Yeah. No, that's a really good tip. And, and especially because we have so many people here as part of our nutrition program. And then also just, you know, um, through the fact that they, they work out on a regular basis. So most people here also food prep in some capacity. Um, so that's a really good um, tip for them to make their, their meal. Cause I'm sure that it compounds on itself through time too. So if your meal is three or four days old, yeah. you probably need even a little bit more uh, water. My wife and I make a joke. If it's three or four days old, especially if it's five days old, you just heat the hell out of it. <laughs> you, yeah. want to, you, may, you want to make sure kill you kill everything. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Which means, yeah, you, you maybe put three quarters of a cup of water. Yeah, just... I food prep twice a week because just purely out of taste and also just reducing the, the risk, I don't want to be eating chicken or steak from five days ago. Unless you need a really good diet. Yeah. <laughs> We're making a joke, but you eat like, you eat like a seven-day-old food. You get a little, you know, a little virus going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little... <laughs> well, that's like when people people will say, you know, um, like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. I don't care how I do it. And it's like, listen, like the flu will help you lose 10 <laughs> pounds. Right. That doesn't mean that it's good for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, hey, Ryan, thank you so thank much you for, for hopping on. Um, this was a blast. We'll definitely do it again. Um I will absolutely be by your restaurant sometime soon. Sounds good. Uh, my wife and I try to make that an occasion at least a couple times a year. Well, happy anniversary. It was really nice to get your, your wedding a year ago. It's it's exciting to hear that you're going to be a dad. Yeah. Um, I have lots of free baby stuff that, um, you know, for me, for our first kid, uh, my wife let, would not let us get anything that was used or, or like, not new. Yeah. Uh, by the third kid, everybody just chips in. 
Uh, a lot of that stuff is in our garage, like a, <laughs> like a sled for six months old to go like sledding, like snow sledding. Oh, wow. Uh, like baby golf clubs, baby skis. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it's all free. It's in my garage. And you're uh, much, welcome, you're welcome much, to come much and get it as soon as, po- as, soon as possible. Oh, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it's going to benefit you as much as it's going <laughs> to yes, benefit it me. You're like, please take it <laughs> off my hands. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on again. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Okay, so Cafe Gelato. We're on Main Street in Newark. It's uh, cafegelato.com. Italian spelling C-A-F-F-E. Two S in Cafe Gelato. G-E-L-A-T-O.com. Awesome. Ryan, thanks again. Thanks, Derek.